Open your Bibles to John 15. Open your Bibles to John chapter 15. We're still in the we're still in the Gospel of John and and uh, and teaching out of John. Uh, the real Jesus. Or you've been kind of asking the question, who is Jesus, right? Okay, I really need some feedback tonight. Come on, somebody. Okay, so when I, I don't need you to scream. When I ask a question, just respond, okay? Okay. Like, I, when I ask questions in my messages, I give you full liberty to actually respond. The only time, hear me, the only time I'm asked that I do not want you to respond is when I say this is a rhetorical question. When I say those words, that means just don't respond. Okay? But when I ask a question, I expect this is not a, this is not a lecture. This is the body coming together, and I'm encouraging you. Okay? So when I ask questions, act like, act like I'm here and you're here. Okay? <laughs> All right. Lord, help me. Okay. John 15, this is the last I am statement. We've been talking about the seven I am statements of Jesus, okay? John chapter, uh, uh, John chapter uh, 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, okay? We talked about that, and then I'm not going to go into all of them because we don't have much time, but uh, we went through all the way, John 6, we went John 7, we went John 8, we went John 10, 11, uh, 12, uh, 14, and now 15. Uh, we didn't do... Um, yeah, that's it. We didn't we didn't do 12, but we did 11 and 14. So, and now we're in John 15. This is the last time in the book of John where Jesus says this I am so and so and something something. You with me? You with me? Okay, so follow along with me. Uh we're going to read here this passage, though you may have heard others teach this, I'm going to teach you what it really means. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't ever be a pastor or preacher like that, you know, or somebody that teaches like that. You know, everybody else says this I'm going to tell you what it really means. But really, I'm going to do that tonight. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's been a lot of good things that have been taught from this passage that I've heard. Uh, but there's some things from this passage that I want to bring to light about who Jesus is and who we are to be to one another that I, uh, that I um, have just recently heard. And so here we go. This is from Jesus. Uh, John 15, uh, starting in verse uh, 1. Okay, I am the true vine. I'm reading out the New Living Translation. I am the true vine. Say true vine. And my father is the gardener. Okay, this for, for the sake of context, uh, Jesus is speaking in uh, Israel, right? We understand Jesus was not in China. Uh, Jesus was not in Florida. And he certainly was not in Alaska. And he spoke this about 2,000 years ago, right? And so when Jesus spoke this, when he said, I am the true vine, to us, we're like, what in the world? Sounds like a bar or something, you know? Uh, Jesus was being very particular about this word and this analogy he uses to describe himself. So a true vine, or sorry, I'll say it this way, a vine in their culture was to the Jewish people, to the Israelite people, uh, God had always spoke to them, and they had always seen themselves as the vine of God. Okay, now follow me. In other words, the vine, a vine, or vines and branches, the things that produces grapes, right? We, we understand what a vine and vines and branches, some people don't know what they are. But vines and branches uh, 
ultimately produce grapes, right? And ultimately, even larger, they produce vines, produce vineyards. Um, and so Jesus, if you don't know what a vineyard is, it's a bunch of vines and branches together with grapes, okay? Some people just don't know, and they know who they are. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, where was I? Okay, so in their culture, vines, grapes, these things were very common, very, very, uh, very known things. In our culture, not as much, especially in Alaska. Nobody has, nobody just carries vines with them, and nobody just works on vines. And so, to the Jewish people, uh, when God said, "This is my vine," He was saying, "These are my people." that produce the fruit that I want them to produce. And so they always believed that they were a Jew. They always believed if I was a Jew, or if I was in the Israelite family, that I was a child of God, and therefore I had eternal life with God. I was, a, I was saved forever. Does that make sense? So they believed if, if I was some way, somehow born uh, through Israel, through the seed, through the people of Israel, in other words, if I was in the family line of, uh, of Israel, okay, how many kids did Israel have? Twelve. Okay. So if I was somehow comes through that seed and, and ultimately was from Israel, then I am a child of God and I'll be saved. Okay, does that make sense? Jesus comes and says, guys, listen. I know you've been taught your whole life that if you were a Jew, then, then you'd be saved and you're a child of God. But I'm letting you know that you guys are not the vine and that Israel is not the vine. I am the real vine. Israel was only a type and a shadow of who is the real vine. Does that make sense? Jesus is saying, guys, salvation is only in me. It's not in your heritage. It's not in your background. It's not in if your parents are saved. It doesn't mean you're saved. Okay, just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved. Only those who are in me ultimately are children of God. You follow me? Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So he's the one that comes through and makes sure that the vine and the vineyard are producing the fruit and the branches. I'll just keep reading. He cuts off who? The father, right? The father cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more fruit. Do you get the picture? Some of you may feel like you're being pruned. It's the Father's, oh, okay. It's the Father's work. It's His heart to cut, to prune, to strip, to take away so that you can produce more fruit. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, who? Who remains in who? We remain in him. If we remain in him, oh, where am I at? Uh, if we remain in him, uh, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are truly my disciples. This brings great joy and glory to my Father. Verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. 
just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you these things, so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. That you, that, uh, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. This is my commandment. That you love one another. That you love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Okay. great passage isn't it but it can also be really confusing so let me tell you what it's actually saying it could be saying a couple things it could be saying this it could be saying well let's let's establish the first thing that everybody knows it's saying if you remain in jesus if you're with jesus right if you're in jesus christ what happens you produce fruit right if you're not in jesus what happens you can't do anything you with me that's what it is saying, for sure. But is it saying, let's ask this question, is it saying that you have to do something to be in Jesus? Rhetorical question. Don't answer. Is it saying that we have to do something to remain in Jesus? Think about that. Because all we know right now is in John 15, all it's saying is that if you do this, this will happen. If you don't do this, this will happen. So far, that's, that's primarily what it's saying. And from this teaching, from this teaching that Jesus gives us, we can either believe this, A, which is, I have to do a lot of things to stay in Jesus, or B, or 2, which is, I'm already in Jesus. And he's already in me. And I can't do anything about that. But Gabriel, if you tell people that, then, then they think that, you know, they're good. They don't, they don't have to do good deeds. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. This is what this passage is saying. Jesus is the source of all life. He chooses who comes out of him. A vine chooses the branch. Branches don't choose a vine. Does that make sense? When vines grow up, they choose to allow a branch to come out of itself. And so Jesus, being the source of all life, chooses branches to come out of itself for there to be branches and ultimately fruit. Jesus was simply saying this. You are the branches. I am the vine. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll produce much fruit. So then the question is, Gabriel, well, how do I remain in him? And how do I stay in him? Well, then people say, Gabriel, I already know the answer. You got to pray. You got to read your Bible. You got to worship and all these things to make sure that you stay in Jesus. And I'm saying you're wrong. It's not what the Bible says at all, actually. The Bible actually tells us if you flip to 1 John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4, it tells us actually the truth of this because I don't want to speak for myself. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. But love comes from God. Anyone who loves 
is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have, have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, uh, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Okay. Verse 15, all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. You are in God, and God is in you. You read it said, you are abiding in God. And God is abiding in you if you say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Are you following me? Let's, let's say it this way. Raise your hand if you say Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Okay, now put your hands back down. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Because the Spirit of God dwells inside of you. Very, very, very simple. That's pretty much it. Jesus was not saying, hey, you got to make sure you stay with me. You got to make sure you read your Bible a lot and stay with me. You, you, gotta, you really got to make sure that you pray enough to make sure you're staying with me. He wasn't saying that at all. He would have said that if that's what he was saying, but he wasn't saying that at all. He was simply saying, hey, those of you who are in me, you're with me forever. And those of, those of you who I'm in, I'm in you forever. He was, he was in no way saying, make sure that you do these things to stay with me. But that's mostly how this passage has been taught. Most of the time it's been taught to say we have to do these things to make sure that we abide in Jesus Christ. But what Jesus is saying, I am the vine. And those who abide in me will naturally produce fruit. But those who are not in me, those who do not call Jesus the Son of God, those who do not believe in Christ will naturally not produce fruit. And so one day, all of those who naturally produce fruit because they're in me and I'm in them, 
they will come and be with me and my Father in heaven. But those, of the, but those people on earth who are not producing any fruit, it's because simply I am not in them and they are not in me. So Jesus is trying to reassure us. He was telling his disciples, if you keep reading in John 15, <clears throat> he says, I chose you. You didn't choose me. Branches don't choose themselves. Jesus says, I'm the vine, and I chose you to be a part of me, and I'm never going to let you go. I got you in my hand. Let's, let's be more practical because we only got 15 more minutes. Because how is this even, what is this even, what, why, why am I even saying this? Because if it's so simple, then what does it mean to me on a daily basis? This is what it means. We have this thought. We have this thought that I need to go be in with Jesus Christ so I can give what I like to call love bucks <clears throat> that I can go spend on other people. And that's what we think this is saying. Hey, you know, I can't love anybody because I haven't spent time with Jesus. And that is in no way what that passage is saying. Because now our relationship with Jesus has been about us coming and getting something from him that we can go spend on somebody else as if God could be a measure inside of us. But God has no measure inside of us. The passage is in no way saying that. The passage is not saying, make sure you go spend time with Jesus so that you can love. The passage is saying, Jesus is already in you. You should naturally be able to always love. No, 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 Gabriel, no, because... I really need to spend time alone with Jesus. I agree with that. But if you look at the New Testament, think about this. I'm going to challenge a lot of things tonight that most of Americanized church says and teaches. And I hope and pray that your mind is all jacked up like mine has been the past week, and I pray you're encouraged. <laughs> you read the New Testament. Do it. I test you. I dare you. And tell me how many times the Bible tells you to spend time alone with Jesus. Do it. Think of it right now. Rhetorical. I am not saying don't spend time alone with Jesus. I'm saying that you spending time alone with Jesus should be led of God. And it should be a desire of your heart to want to love Jesus, not to go get something from Jesus. I am saying that you do not need to go get something from Jesus in the morning so that you can go give it out during the day. You know why I can say that? Because I tested it this week because God showed me that this week. And I said, all right, Lord, then all this week, I'm not going to go to get with you. I'm actually going to choose every morning to wake up to choose to love my wife. And I'm going to choose to love my son. And I'm going to choose to love every person. And I'm not even going to go and get alone with you, Lord. I'm just going to put you at, put that on my feet. I got, I got like a lot of weeks to live and to learn and to do things. I'm going to do this. Just, just this one week, I'm going to test you, God, and see if this works. Read Romans 5.5. 5. You know what Romans 5.5 5 says? It says, the hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been. Say has been. Come on, say has been. Has been are really important two words. It doesn't say are going to be. It says the love of God has been poured, not being poured, but poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The love of God has already been poured out in your heart and in my heart by God. 
How can you say that? Because God is love. And if God is dwelling in you by his spirit, then therefore love is in you. But then we pray all the time. I do this. I'm guilty. And I'm challenging myself as I'm challenging all of us. I do this all the time. Lord, fill me up with love. You know, I just don't see that in the New Testament. The only time I see that is one time when, when Paul prays, I pray that you would abound more and more in love. And you know what that prayer is actually saying? This is what, this is what it really means. And I'll prove it to you. I don't have time right now. But what it really means is this. I pray that you would choose to love each other more and more and more. It was not saying, I pray that you get these love bucks you're going to spend on each other. See, we have to understand the new covenant is past tense. That when you give your life to Jesus, everything has been done. And now for the rest of your life, it is in response to love him and to love his people. Because I have been so loved. Well, doesn't he say, apart from me you can do nothing? Yes, that's exactly what he says. And that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying this. It's very, very simple. You already always have the ability to love. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because we as human beings, we wait for a feeling or we wait for this ooey-gooey thing. And we go, oh, now I got love to go love my brother. And we make it all weird and super spiritual. And that was not what Jesus said. Jesus saying, look, if you're in me, you naturally have the ability to love. If you're not in me, you can't love. So this is why he says, I, that's why I command you all to go and love. And those of you who are in me will love. But those of you who aren't in me just can't love. Love is never slothful. Love is sometimes a feeling, but love is always a decision. Love is an action. It's a verb. It's not a noun. And so we understand love in that context. When Jesus says, this is my, you want to know how you remain in my love? Love each other. You want to grow in love? Choose to love. You want to be in my love? Choose to love each other. You want to know me more? Love your neighbor. You want to bound in love? Then love somebody. Call somebody up and love them. Take somebody up, go buy somebody something, and you will grow in love. Man. And then your times with Jesus are so much better. I, I, I'm saying this because I'm learning this right now. And I'm learning that God has, in so many ways, been a genie to me because I go to him to get something from him, even love. And the truth is, if I'm honest with myself, when I leave, most of the time I'm not any different than when I went. But you know what happens when I'm with my brothers and sisters in the Lord and I choose to love them? I start realizing there's this thing happening in me. You know what I'm feeling? I'm remaining in his love. I'm, I'm feeling his affection for me. I'm growing in his affection for me. I'm growing in his understanding about how he feels for me as I act on the reality that he already loves me. And I choose to respond out of that in the activity of loving my neighbor as myself. And in that action, I am in that very action, remaining in his love. What I'm trying to say is that it's really just simple. It's really just God lives in you already. He loves you as you are. 
His love is inside of you. And your job is to recognize that and to choose to love each other. Vines don't produce one branch. You know what I mean? Wouldn't it be weird if, like, an apple tree just had, like, one random branch coming off? <laughs> and, like, 600 apples. <laughs> Excuse me. Wouldn't that be weird? That was weird. But wouldn't that be weird? Jesus is not about you being an individual with Jesus. Jesus is about you being interdependent on him and one another. Vines, vines produce what? They produce what? They produce vineyards. (laughs) Everybody's like, how did you get from there to there? It's just like an apple tree. Apple trees ultimately produce apples. <coughs> and when the apple, what? When the apple dies, falls to the ground, seeds are produced, what happens with that seed? It goes in the ground, and what happens? Another tree. You following me? <laughs> Matt's, Matt can't get it. He's not, he's not there with me. Oh, so he doesn't like, he doesn't like the word vineyard. <coughs> just getting to him. <coughs> Let me say it this way. Vides, vines produce vineyards. Christ produces community. Christ does not produce individualism. You know what most people teach about this passage? It's all about just you and Jesus and your individual personal relationship with him. That's what this passage is saying. That's in no way what this passage is saying. It's actually saying you've already been brought into him and there's a branch on your right and there's a branch on your left And your job is to link together. And as you link together, because this is what branches do on a vine, as you link together and grab one another in love, you produce fruit. Jesus could have said, guys, it's all just about me and you. But he didn't. He said, you are interdependent on one another. And you actually need one another as much as you need me. Because if you're not loving each other, then you're not remaining in me. But when you choose to love each other, you experience my love for you in a whole nother measure. I'm going to say this, and, and this may, I know it's going to tweak some of you, but I do it in love because maybe, maybe you can think about this for a while. You need Jesus, right? We all know that, right? But you need one another just as much as you need Jesus. (laughs) Just as much. You know how I can say that? Because if if you were alone on an island without one another, you'd go insane. You know how I can say that? Because in Genesis chapter 2, God looked at Adam and said, dang. It's not good for Adam to be alone. Everything up to that very point was very, very, very good. And God made it very clear from the very beginning that it's not good. Adam already had a perfect relationship with God. It was already perfect. It was perfect. 
He sat with him and he named the penguins. Who names penguins penguins with God? That's weird. Talk about intimacy with God. And see, we would go to think that's all I need. It's just me and God. No, it's not just you and God. You know, if you read that passage, it says that love has been perfected in this, that you love one another. What is it saying? It's saying this, the love that God has for you has accomplished its very purpose when you are loving each other, not when you're alone with God. See, this is what I'm trying to say is that God loves us so much, he wants us to just be infatuated with each other. He wants us because, because, see, I'll go back to what I said earlier when I said that you need each other as much as you need the Lord. I say that because, I say that because Christ is in each one of us. And we need Christ in Cameron Ramirez. And Christ is in Linda Jones. And I need the Christ that is in Linda Jones. And I need the Christ that is in Elena. And I need the Christ that is in David. And I need the Christ that is in Andrew. And I need the Christ that is in Justin. I need the Christ that is in the body of Christ. Because I do not have all of Christ fully expressed through me. I just have a measure of his expression through me. Now, God dwells in me for sure. But only a measure of his expression comes out of me. That's why, when, that's why when I just share, you don't see the whole part of Jesus. But if all of us sit together in a small group and begin to share what is on our heart and what God is doing in us, it's in that beautiful picture that we see Christ ma- magnified and glorified. You know, it's really just America. Because if I, if, I if I was in Indonesia right now talking about this, They'd be like, yeah. You know why? Because it's only in America that teaches entrepreneurship and individualism. Everything is based off of that. Everything is based off of me getting, me going to school, getting really good grades, going to college, getting my degree, going on and building my business and building the most successful business because of the degree that I got. I mean, can we be honest? That for the most part, that's what the foundation of America has been built off of. You go to anywhere else in the world, particularly the East, it's all interdependence on one another. And when the gospel hits them, they learn what it really means to love each other and how dependent they are on each other. I'm not, guys, listen to me. I'm not saying don't spend time alone with Jesus. I'm saying be led of the Spirit. And as you're led of the Spirit, the Spirit is the Spirit of love, and He will lead you to love. And listen, listen, listen. In my activity of loving somebody, I'm being with Jesus. In some way, more than I am when I'm alone with Jesus. How can you say that? Because Jesus said it. Where two or more gather in my name, I am there. There's something beautiful about where two people come together or three or four or a hundred or a thousand and they sit down and they love each other jesus goes hey guys i want you to know yeah yeah i'm always with you i'm always with you remember that even when you're alone even when you're driving a car even when you're in a tough time even if you're on an island by yourself i'm with you i'm with you 
but know that the purpose of me being with you is that I would come up on the inside of you and give you a desire and an ability to love each other. That's really what I really want. I just want, I want to look down from heaven and see my people loving each other. Because if they're loving each other, that means that they're in me and I'm in them and that we're in perfect relationship. There's something beautiful. There's something so magnificent about people coming together and choosing to love each other. It's what we were made for. So, you're already in Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is already inside of you. You've already been put in him. You're with me? You're already in him. Though he said it. Read it. Read it again and again. Those who say that Jesus, Son of God, God lives in them and 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 they live in him. Right? That's what we just read. The whole passage is telling us what Jesus is saying. You're already in him. You're already in him. You don't have to work to be in him more. What the heck does that even mean? It, it, it's just resting in the reality that I'm already in him and he's already in me and just being thankful for that. And being thankful that his love is in me. And then working that out. Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. Work out your own salvation. For it is God who works in you, both to give you the desire to do, to give you the desire to do it, and the ability to do what is his will. Let me say it this way. God is already working in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? God is already working in you. If you say Jesus is the Son of God, God is already working in you. You with me? Hey, even when you're sinning, God is always working in you. It is God who works. You don't need to sit there and go, God, work in me. God, work in me. It's like a branch that's in a vine. It doesn't have to ask the vine for life. It's already in the vine, and it already has life. And it naturally produces fruit. What am I saying? Ultimately, I'm just, I'm encouraging you to love each other. So if you think that I'm speaking the devil's stuff, I don't think I am. Because ultimately what I'm trying to say <laughs> is just love each other. And if, and if a lot of those things, maybe, maybe you're confused or I'm, I'm here to answer uh, question after question. Because I've been asking question after question in my heart. And I feel so at peace with what this is. You and I are already in Jesus Christ, and all he's asking us to do is to love one another. And in that activity of loving one another, we are ultimate loving him. And again, I'm not saying, don't spend time alone with Jesus. I'm saying you don't need to spend time alone with Jesus to be able to go love one another. You do not, I'm going to say it again, you do not need to spend time alone with Jesus in order to go love one another. Because you are already in Jesus, and Jesus is already in you, therefore you have the ability to go love one another. You know how, one of the main ways I learned this was by having a kid. I realized that I don't get all the personal time alone with Jesus, just me and Jesus. Even if I try to get up at 6 o'clock, somehow my son just wakes up at 6 o'clock, crying. And I've learned how to be with Jesus as I'm loving my son. I've learned how to be with Jesus as I'm loving my wife. I've learned how to be with Jesus as I'm loving my friend. I've learned that Jesus is in the midst of us, and I can fellowship with Christ in my brother. I can fellowship with Christ in my friend. 
And that's the whole purpose. 1 John 1, 3. 1 John 1, 3. We tell you this so that you would have fellowship with us. And truly, he says, the fellowship that we're having is with Jesus, with the Father. So when we're loving each other and we're sharing life together, you're not just sharing life with humans. You're sharing life with humans that have God living in them. Are you, are you, following, are you with me? I'm trying to encourage you and encourage, encourage you and encourage you to stop waiting for a feeling, to stop thinking you've got to go get something from God, to go do something. I'm saying he's already in you, he's with you, he's loved you, he loves you, he will forever love you, he's given you the power, he's given you the ability, he's given you the strength, he's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, and as you respond to that, you will love people. And of course, when, you're, when you make time to get away and to love on him, of course, but do that out of a free will just to love him. Let me say this last thing. It works. <laughs> I have found that I have been able to love so much more this week in some ways than I have in my entire life. Do you know why? Because I've just said, I woke up three days ago and I said, Lord, I love you, but I'm going to test this this morning. I'm not going to spend time alone with you. I'm going to go love my wife. And on the way to go loving my wife, I didn't feel anything. But as I chose to love her, and I, and I will, I, my, by, by the grace of God, I will find what it means to love one another. As I chose to love her, God flooded my heart with grace and life and love, and I was able to love. And all day long, my heart abounded more and more and more and more and more. And I woke up the next day and did it again. And I woke up the next day and did it again. And tonight, I don't believe that I'm ever going to grow tired of doing this because I, as I continue to choose to love, God continues to give me the grace. As I continue to choose to love, God continues to give me the love. Are you with me? His love never fails. You don't run out of the love of God. As long as you choose to love, he provides the love to love. Man. So be liberated. Don't go get love bucks and go try to spend them. Oh, I'm running out of love bucks. Guys, I'm, I'm all empty. I don't got anymore. I got to go to my prayer closet. I'm coming. Jesus. Oh. Oh. Jesus, you know, I, I need to get some more love bucks because, man, these people are needy. Someone got all the, you know, I miss a, you know, I miss a little teapot, you know. I only pour out so much and you got to fill it back up. Where is that in the New Testament? You with me? You know what it says? Be continually filled with the Spirit. You know how? By singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to each other. That's how you be filled with the Spirit, as you love each other. You saying I can't be filled with the Spirit in my prayer closet? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a great expression when we're with each other. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to do this more. And we need to spend more time alone, and we need to spend more time loving each other. So if you feel like, Gabriel, I have a horrible life, then I'm telling you to choose to love somebody. And you will remain in the love of God. Would you stand with me? Please hear my heart. Please. Please don't think I'm preaching heresy. Please know that if you're, if, just, I'll say this. How about, you know, I'll say this. 
don't just take my word for it, okay? Don't take my word for it. Go and study it. Take the things I've been saying and go and study it. Be Bereans. The Bible says there are those people in the book of Acts that when Paul came and preached to them, they didn't just go, okay, sounds good. They actually studied the scripture, right? And so I encourage you, take what I've been saying and bring it to the word. Find out how many times the Bible tells you to be alone with Jesus. And then find out how many times it tells you to spend time with each other, praying and spending and loving and encouraging each other. You'll see a humongous difference. I'm not saying don't spend time with Jesus. <laughs> right, Drew? Am I saying that, Drew? Okay. Just want to make sure, because I know that some of you come to me and say, you're saying don't, don't, don't spend time with Jesus. I'm not saying that. Right, Reed? So study it. Study it, study it, study it. What if, what if it's not good for man to be alone? Oh, wait, it isn't good. But isn't, we're never alone because God's with us. Yeah, but think context. God was with Adam always, right? And God looked at Adam and goes, Adam, I love you, bro, but just, I made you to be with people. And as you're with people, you're with me. Don't forget that. I'm, uh, as I'm saying, be, be loving people. I'm really saying, be loving Jesus inside of people. Isn't that amazing? I love you. I encourage us to be here next Thursday night.